Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC. My name is Paul Abernathy, and welcome to our podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk calculations. We're going to talk standard method uh, for a one-family dwelling. Um, And this is a companion uh, podcast to another podcast that that I will be doing on the optional method. So the values that we talk about in this episode are going to mirror those that we talk about in the optional method. And when it talks about when we're saying things like the the different appliances and the dimensions of the of the dwelling and all that kind of stuff, so um, it's all going to be the same. But this one is dealing with the standard method. Now, why is it important? Well, you you really have to know how to use the standard method because even if you use the optional method, and that usually results in a smaller service, and the code permits you to be able to use the optional method, you're still going to get to a point where you're going to have to calculate the grounded conductor. So. While the optional method is very easy, you still have to know the concepts in the standard method in order to be able to size that neutral. Okay, so if you go through the standard method and you understand the flow, then it will make it very easy for you to be able to do an optional method and utilize the standard for the for the neutral connect uh, calculation. Uh, and then if you're used to doing the standard method for exams, uh, which is typically going to use the standard method unless they state the optional methods to be used. It really kind of shows you, I'm going to show you how to flow through it and make it an easy flow, if you will. Because typically you're going to jump back into the branch circuit values uh, in in 220.12, but then you end up back up in part three to finish out your task. And so I just kind of, I just kind of like to show you how it flows. Now, first things first, we're using the 2017 National Electrical Code this time. We are in the process of, of, of doing the 2020 edition, but that's going to be a while off, so we're still in the 2017, okay? Now, again, we're going to do a one-family dwelling calculation. I'm going to give you some values up front. That way, you can write these down, or you can just listen to me as I talk about them, because I will go over them over and over, so you'll get a full understanding of of what values we're talking about. And I'm even going to give you the different tips and things you need to to think of when you're doing this calculation because a lot of times when people are doing these simple calculations, um, they get lost in the weeds. And there are certain things that you need to consider. There are certain things that you have to do as far as conversions uh, to make this as simple as possible for you. And that's the goal. You want to make it as simple as possible. All right? Uh, other thing I will remind you that in today's podcast, when we talk about water heaters, clothes dryers, counter-mounted cooking units, wall-mounted ovens, or electric heating, any of those, um, it might be expressed in kilowatt, but we have to convert it to VA or KVA, uh, and they are synonymous. So KW is synonymous with KVA when it comes to uh, doing the calculations here in this podcast, okay? All right, so let me give you some set values for today. Um, we're going to do multiple steps. It's about 20 steps overall uh, to get you to what you need. Um, but we have a preset dwelling that we're going to be utilizing. And I'm going to give you some what's in that dwelling. So you can either pause after each one and write it down. Uh, uh, I'll pause a little bit. Um, as I give you these, I'm going to talk about what we call the conversions so that it makes it easy for you to understand it so I don't have to maybe repeat it, although nature of how I do things, I tend to repeat it anyway. But I want to explain these things to you as I'm going through the things that are in our fictional dwelling unit. Okay. So first of all, we have a dwelling unit and we want to take the outside dimensions. And remember that under 220.12, it states that we utilize the outside dimensions. Okay. And we'll look at the code in more detail as we do this. But outside dimensions of this dwelling unit is 35 feet by 55 feet. Okay, so that's the dwelling unit. Now, this dwelling unit also has an open porch. It's a front porch, and it's open. Um, But that square footage, the 35 feet by 55 feet, is including that front open porch. Now, what is the dimensions of that open porch? Uh, 
It's going to be important in a, in a few minutes. It is seven feet by ten feet. Okay, so it's important to understand the size of that open porch. Uh, the next is small appliance brand circuits. So this dwelling is going to have four of them, and we'll talk about the, each one of those individually and some of the nuances of the code. But but there's four of them in here, so you want to write that down. There's four of them. Uh, laundry circuit uh, branch circuits. There is two of them in here. Okay, um, in this dwelling, uh, water heater. There is one water heater. It's a 45 kW at, at 240 volts. And remember, we want to convert all of this to VA or KVA. So 4.5 kW. Take the 4.5 times a thousand. That's going to give you 4500 VA. Okay, or 4.5 uh, kVA. Okay, uh, it's easier to just break it out into the total VA. So 4500 VA. Okay, and again, it's at 240 volts. Why is that important? Because when we do the neutral calculation later, we're not going to utilize this value because it's a 240 volt load. It doesn't utilize a neutral. Okay, the next thing we have in our fictional dwelling is a dishwasher. Now, this dishwasher is rated at 10 amperes at 120 volts. Now, remember, we're doing a calculation. So anytime you see the ampere rating and the voltage rating, we need to convert that to watts, which is synonymous with VA. And so what we want to do is take the 10 amps times 120 volts. And that's going to give us our watts or our VA value that we're going to use in our calculations. So that's how we, we do this. Okay, and we'll do this as we go through each one of these components. Right now, I'm just kind of giving you the laundry list of what we got in our fictional dwelling here. The next thing that we have is an in-sink waste disposal. You know, a disposal that goes under the garbage disposal. It goes under the sink. But the accurate name for it is an in-sink waste disposal. Uh, and that is a half horsepower at 115 volts. Now, one of the things to remember here, and we'll talk about it later, is that when you see the horsepower, you're going to have to convert that. And it's two steps to convert that to the VA that we need for this calculation. First of all, since it is 115 volts, it is a single phase application. But it is a motor because it said horsepower rating. So you're going to go back to 430.248. That's a single phase table for motors. And under the 115 column, you're going to see that that motor is rated for 9.8 amperes under 430.248. All right. So again, now that we've, we've got that value, now we would take that value times the 115 volts, and that's going to give us our VA, which in this case was 111, uh, 1,127. But I'm saying that's that's how you do it. Okay. Um, the next is a trash compactor. Now the trash compactor's nameplate gives us 7.5 amperes, uh, and it's 120 volts. So again, you all should know by now how to convert that to VA. Okay. Uh, the next thing we have in our fictional dwelling unit is three attic fans. Now, each one of these attic fans pull 4.2 amperes. So since there's three of them, they're all the same. We just add them together. So that's 12.6 amperes. Uh, and they, each of them are supplied by a source voltage of 120 volts. So how do we determine what the VA is here? Again, pretty simple. 12.6 times 120, that's going to be our VA. Uh, and in this case... Doing so was 15, oh, 1,512 VA is what that would have worked out to. Just to check your math there. Uh, the next thing we have in this fictional dwelling unit is a clothes dryer. Remember now, clothes dryers aren't required in the calculation unless there actually is going to be a circuit for the clothes dryer. All right, and so in this case, it is a 5.5 kW or a 5,500 VA uh clothes dryer uh, and it is rated at 240 volts that is its rating the next thing we have is we're going to deal into our cooking things here and we have what's called a counter mounted cooking unit this is a cooktop so there's no ranges here there's a cooktop and a wall mounted oven so the cooktop is rated at 7kw and that's at 240 volts okay so that's 7000 va the wall mounted oven is a 6kw Again, KW and KVA are synonymous, so it's 6,000 VA, and it's at 240 volts. Why do I keep mentioning the 240? Obviously, it's important because it's not a neutral load, and you're going to need to know that later on. The next thing we have is we have some, appears to be electric strip heat. We have three banks of 5 KW each, so 5 times 3 is 15 KW, and these are 240 volt 
um, source voltages. So that's 15 kW. You're going to want to remember that because later on we're going to have to compare the heat to the air conditioning. And we're going to take the larger of the two non-coincidental loads application. All right? So we'll, don't worry. We'll talk about it. All right. Next, we have an air handler blower motor. Now, this blower is going to be utilized whether or not you're dealing with the heat or the air conditioning. That's important to remember because you're going to have to add this in whether or not you're doing a calculation for the heat or the air conditioning because that blower is going to push that air regardless of whether the heat's going or the air conditioning's going. Right? And so in this case, that air handler blower motor is 3.2 amperes at 115 volts. Well, you should know by now how to convert that to VA. 3.2 amps times 115 volts. The next thing we have is an air conditioning compressor. Now, this compressor is at 16.6 amps, obviously the nameplate rating on that, at 230 volts. How do we convert that to VA? Again, 16.6 times 230 uh, that's the voltage that was given to us, uh, and so that's how we're going to do it. And ultimately, uh, when we do that math, that is going to give us a total value uh, for the um, uh, the application of uh, three thousand eight hundred and eighteen for that air compressor. That's sixteen point six times two thirty. Okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, lastly, we have what's called the condenser fan motor. And that is 2 amperes at 115 volts. Again, no brainer. 2 amperes times 115 volts. Okay. And so that's what's going to give us that value. 2 times 115, that's 230 VA. All right. So you could probably go through and write all these values down. It makes it a little simpler for you. But now that's kind of all of the things that are involved in this dwelling unit. Okay. That's it. Everything we got involved in it. So let's kind of start getting into our calculation. So you're going to have different lines, and you need to follow along here. And in your code book, if you want to start numbering these things in order to tell you where you go uh, as far as the process takes place. And that's perfectly fine if you want to do that, if whatever's going to help you. So let's start at number one. What's the first thing that we're going to do? Well, the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to 220. 12 because we need to establish our general lighting load and we really need to see what receptacles might be involved in that in this loads but we got to start somewhere we got to know where to get a certain VA value so I'm going to get my code book just like you and I'm going to go to 220.12 all right so now I'm at 220.12 now what does it say it says lighting loads for specified occupancies. All right, well, obviously I'm a dwelling unit here, so that's my specified occupancy. So it says the unit load of not less than that specified in table 220.12 for occupancy specified shall constitute the minimum lighting load. Okay. Also, it goes on to say, and we'll go look at table 220.12 in a minute. It says the floor area of each floor shall be calculated from the outside dimensions of the building, the dwelling unit, or other area that's involved. Um, so in our case, it was 35 by 55. Uh, and we said we had this open porch. Well, if you read a little further, it says, well, also, just so you know, it says for dwelling units, the calculated floor area shall not include open porches, garages, or unused or unfinished spaces not adaptable for future use. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that if I have an open porch and I originally added that into my total overall outside dimension, then I'm going to have to take that off. Same with the garage. If I have any spacing that is in, in this dwelling that is unused or is unfinished and it's not really adaptable for future use, then I don't use that either in my equation. So I would have to take that out as well. Uh, that kind of a good example of that might be an attic space that is not adaptable for future use. It doesn't meet the building code's requirements to be able to be used for this adaptable future use. It might be there, but it's not going to essentially take up any load requirements because it's not really adaptable for that future use. Okay, so keep that in mind. Now, an unfinished basement is adaptable for future use. Okay, keep that in mind. All right. Last thing you'd want to do is do a calculation and not finish the basement off, size a service, and later come and finish the basement off, and now your service isn't sized right. That would be a no. That would be a 
really a brain burner there, wasn't it? All right, so now let's keep on going. It said to go to table 220.12. So we kind of got the understanding. We know the dimensions. We saw that earlier. So let's go down and see what this table says. All right, now this table, 220.12, is the general lighting. And you notice that it has banks and barbershops, churches, warehouse. It's got everything. Office buildings and, and every goody-goody. Notice here that it says dwelling unit. And it has a little A beside it. Okay? And you're thinking, okay, well, what does that A mean? Well, we'll deal with that A in a second. So since it's a dwelling unit, you're going to go to the right and you see load units. Now, we generally deal in volt amperes per square foot. Okay? There's a volt amperes per meter square meter, but we deal in volt amperes per square foot. In fact, I don't think I've ever done it in the volt amperes meter squared. Yeah, I've never done it. Um, anyway, so it's volt amperes by square foot, and you'll come down, and you'll notice that the dwelling unit one is 3VA, okay? 3VA for the dwelling unit. Now, that's what we're going to use in our equation. Now, what does this little A mean? Well, if you go to the bottom of this table, you'll see a note that says C220.14J. Well, right next to that table is conveniently is J. And all J is saying is, you know what? In that one family dwelling that you're dealing with, um, the calculations for that 3VA, it's going to include all the general use receptacles that are 20 amperes or less. Um, uh, and it's even going to include the bathroom circuit. So you don't have to do anything additional for that. Unlike what we got to do for the small appliance or the laundry. We're, this is all covered. So it's saying you're good to go. Um, it also tells us that the receptacle outlets for outdoor receptacles are all included in this as well, so you don't have to do anything else, okay? So that's all already figured in that 3VA. That's all it's saying right there. All right, so that's all it's saying there when it makes that reference to C220.14J. Okay, so what does that tell us? Well, all of our general receptacles that we lay out in accordance with 210.52A, all are covered in this 3VA per square foot. Okay. So now, let's go back to the, what we're doing in our mind. What was the dimensions? So the dimensions that we're dealing with were 35 foot by 55. So I'm going to take 35 times 55. That's 1,925 square foot. Now, remember that open porch? We need to take that out. And that was 7 feet by 10 feet. So we do 7 times 10. That results in 70 square feet. So I take the 1925, I subtract 70 square feet from it. So now I've got 1,855 square feet to use in our calculation. Okay, so that's our value. Now, what did we see when we saw 220.12? It says to use 3VA per square foot. So I have 1,855 square feet. So it's 3 times 1,855. That equals 5,565 VA. So guess what? That's your very first line that you write down. 5,565. Write that down. That's number one. Okay? That's your first step. Now let's move on. Step two. We're dealing with small appliance brand circuits. That's the next thing that we're going to deal with. Okay? Now where do we go from there? All right, now we're jumping back up into part three. We dabbled back into 20.12 to get us started which is the part one. Now we jump back up into, uh, excuse me, part two. Now we jump back up in part three and we say, okay, what do we got to do about these small appliance brand circuits? So in your code book, you'd want to go to 220.52a and see what it says. Because remember, we're doing a calculation. So here's what it says. It says for small appliance and laundry loads in a dwelling unit, that's what we're doing, it says each dwelling unit, the load shall be calculated at 1500 VA for each two-wire small appliance brand circuit as covered by 210.11C1. Uh, and of course, it also requires that uh, as well uh, for the laundry. But right now, we're dealing with 220.52A. We're dealing with the small appliance brand circuits. Now, a couple of things I want to remind you. If you need to know the minimum number, that's required when you're laying out your house or you're doing the wiring, you need to remember 210.11C1, which is going to say that you have to have at least two small appliance brand circuits and they have to serve the countertop. Both of them have to serve countertops. Okay? Now, you could have more than two. In our case, we had four. So if we have four, then each one of those has to equate to 1500 VA. Okay. If I only had two, they would only both of those would only have to be fifteen hundred VA each. But I've got four, so I have to have it that value. Okay. All right. 
So, and it also reminds us that these are going to be used in that derating of 220.42. So don't worry, we're not there yet. But I'm just reminding you, this goes in your very first basket. And then you have the second one that's dealing with the small appliances. So the first line was our general lighting and receptacle. That was 55.65. Now you've got 1,500 VA times 4. That's 6,000 VA. So that's your second line. Write that down. 6,000. The next one that you're going to follow in the list here is 220.52B. In that, you could put a 3 beside that if you want. For example, you could have put a 2 beside 220.52A if you wanted. It doesn't really matter. All right, so now we're going to do the laundry circuit. Now, 210.11C2 says you only have to have one. But if you have more than one, you have to count them all because they are actually potentially put in load here. Okay? All right, so 1,500 VA times, and we said we had two of them. So that would be 1,500 VA times two. That is 3,000 VA. If I only had one, it would be 1,500. You see what I'm saying? But since we have, how many numbers? Like if I had a house that was 15,000 square feet and I might have had six laundry circuits in there, then that's 1,500 VA each one of them. Same thing if I had had six small appliances. That's 1,500 VA for each one of them. And they have to be considered in the calculation. All right? Just keep that in mind. All right. So now we have the laundry circuit. So that's the next line. That's the third line. You're going to put 3,000 down. So to this point, you should have three lines. You should have 5565, you have 6,000, and you should have a 3,000. Okay? Now, remember the last part of both the 220.52 A and B? It says that now we can apply the demand factors of table 220.42 right now. It doesn't say in the things for the appliances and all those that you can apply the demand factor. It only applies to the general lighting and, and uh, receptacle circuits, the general one, and to small appliances and the laundry. You're going to get some other derating allowances for things like appliances, but right now we're just dealing with the front up front. So next one, we're going to do four. We're going to do uh, line four, line five, line six, line seven, and line eight. Now you might not use them all. But here's how we're going to go through it. Now, we're going to add lines 1, line 2, and line 3, or the first three things we did. We're going to add those together. So you're going to add the 5565, the 6000, and the 3000. That's going to give you 14565. Now, remember every time it keeps referencing that table 220.42? Go look at that table. Now, that table shows you for dwelling units, it says, okay, you know what? I'm going to let you. There's a diversity here, my friend. I'm going to let you apply some demand factors, okay? And so what it says is that the first 3,000, you take it at 100%. That means 3,000 is what it is. You take it at 3,000. But it says, you know what? Once I get over that 3,000, if I'm 301 all the way up to 120,000, then I can take those values at 35%. And for any value that exceeds 120,000, I can take it 25%. So you're getting some additional derating here. All right, so let's do it. Let's let's work this out. Now, there's an easy way to do this. If you take that 14,565 that was a result of those first three calculations we did, take away 3,000 from that up front. Just just minus 3,000. That drops you down to 11,565. So this is the value that you're going to apply that 35% to. And then ultimately you're going to put that 3,000 back on it, okay? Because remember that first 3,000 is at 100%. So all we're really doing is setting that aside. So in this case, it was 11,565 times 35%, and that is 4,048. Now, those were the, the, the step four was simply adding up one, two, and three we just did. Step five was that total value minus the 3,000, okay, which was the 11,565. Seven would have been if you're dealing with the need for the um, over 120,000 VA. If that was the case, then you would have had that 25% value goes in there. Since we did not, then we go to eight. And all eight was was the value between 11,565 times 35%, which was the 4,048. So now we get to line nine. And then line nine is retaking that 3,000. And we're adding back in that 4,048, okay? So we're adding the two. That first 3,000 we took out, 
and nail that 4,048, which was 35% of 11,565. Add them together. 7,048. That's where we're at. Okay? Write that down. So far, so good. You have now applied all of the demand factors when it comes to the general lighting and receptacle loads. That's that part. Now, let's move on to the appliances. Fastened in place. Now, in our case here, you simply follow the, 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 the process down. And now you're going to go down to 220.53. Now, 220.53 says, look, if you have four or more appliances that are fastened in place, other than ranges, electric ranges, clothes dryers, and space heating and air conditioning, if you got these other appliances and there's four or more, then I'll let you apply 75% demand factor to that nameplate rating. Okay? All right? So remember all those conversions we did earlier? Here's where they come into play. So now what I want to get you to do is write all these down. So what do we have? Well, we said we had to exclude the range or any electric range or clothes dryer, space heating, uh, things like that, cooking. We're not including the cooking in any of this. So water heater, 4,500. The uh, VA, the compactor we did earlier is 900 VA. The dishwasher we did earlier is 1,200 VA. The three attic fans we did earlier, it's 15, uh, 1,512 VA. And then the disposal was 1,127 VA. Add those up. That is 9,239 oh, 9, when you add all those together. Now, I can apply the 75% because 220.53 lets me do that. Now, if that's the case, 9,239 times 75% is 6,929. Write that down. That's your line number 10. That is your fixed-in-place appliances calculation. Write that down. All right. The next line is 11. And, oh, incidentally, if you're not following the lines totally, that's okay. As long as you understand the concept of how it flows. Uh, the next thing is a clothes dryer. Again, remember that clothes dryers aren't required in a load calculation, but if they're in your calculation or there is going to be one in there, uh, then you have to account for it. Um, in this case, we do because we said there was a 5,500 uh, VA one or a 5.5 kW clothes dryer that we're dealing with. So um, in this application, um, we're going to do the value. Now, remember, it needs to be at least 5,000 watts or whichever is larger. In our case, 5,500 is larger. So that's what we're going to go with. But it can't be less than 5,000. So keep that in mind if it's in the equation. Uh, if there is a dryer involved, closed dryer involved, I should say. Now, also remember that a little bit later when we do the neutral, we're going to do that at 70% of this value uh, because you're allowed in 220.61b to allow a demand factor for the neutral loads. So just keep that in mind. Don't get confused at this point. Now, the nameplate rating is more than 5,000 watts, so I have to use a larger number which is the 5,500. But I want to say right now, if you're not familiar with how to do dryer calculations uh, in 220.54, I have a neat video that's out there on our website. Go to the YouTube channel. Go to masterthenec.com. And then at the top, you'll see the, the link to the YouTube channel. Go search for that electric clothes dryer video. It's a neat video. And I talk about all the nuances that are involved in the dryers. I even talk about how to do the calculation for single-phase dryers that are supplied by three-phase four-wire feeder or service okay uh, and that one can be a bit of a tricky thing but I explain how to do that so if you need to do that go do that all right so now we're on like I said we're on note 11 or line 11 so we want to put down 5500 because that's the value that we got to work with uh, the next thing we're going to deal with this is the next line and again we're just kind of moving down the list here uh, is we're dealing with 220.55, and that is household cooking appliances, okay? Now, if we're dealing with a household cooking appliances that are 1,750 watts or greater, then I can apply the demand factors that are afforded me in table 220.55. If it is less than this, the uh, 1 and 3 quarter kW, then I have to take the value, Okay, and do that in the calculation. But I'm going to allow me some demand factors if I'm dealing with something that's in excess of one and three quarter kW. And of course, uh, our examples did because we had a a wall mounted cooking, uh, and that was at six kW or K uh, six thousand VA. And then we had a counter mounted cooking unit, well, a cooktop, uh, 
uh, it's 7KW, which is 7,000 VA. So we're okay here. Now, here's the important thing. In the optional method, we wouldn't do it this way, okay? We would simply take the nameplate values and work it in. But here in the standard method, we have to utilize table 220.55, okay? Um, now, could we take the face value and not apply that table? Well, yeah, but it would result in a larger than necessary service. We want to use the benefits of using de demand factors. So typically, that's what we want to do. Uh, do I have to use the demand factors? Absolutely not. I, if I want to size everything to the full value and apply no demand factors, go for it. Uh, it's just going to be an overly sized service that's not necessary. Okay. So in most cases, we're going to use these demand factors. So in this case... Let's look at, at uh, 220.55. Now, what does it say? It says, for the load, the load for household electric ranges, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking units, and other household cooking appliances, uh, individually that are rated in excess of 1 and 3 quarter kW, so incidentally, that's uh, 1,750 watts, in case you were wondering, um, shall be permitted to be calculated in accordance with table 220.55. Shall be permitted. It's a permissive statement. So we're going to do that because we want to result in the lowest size service that we need so we don't have to oversize and have the service too big, conductors too big. That's what we want to do. So let's go look at 220.55 really quickly. Okay, so 220.55 says demand factors and loads for household electric ranges, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking units, and other household cooking appliances over... One and three quarter KW ratings. Now notice in parentheses it says, you know what? You always want to use column C, except as otherwise permitted in note three. Well, in our case, look at note three. Now these are not informational notes. These are very much applicable notes. Note three says, hey, look, if I have over one of these things that the table deals with, you know, electric ranges, wall-mounted ovens, counter-mounted cooking, if they're over one and three-quarter through eight and three-quarter, that in lieu of method C, it shall be permissible to add the nameplate ratings of all household cooking appliances rated more than one and three-quarter, but not more than eight and three-quarter, and none of ours are, and multiply the sum by the demand factor specified in column A or B for the given number of appliances. Okay, so that's what we're going to do here. Now, again, if you need to understand all of these notes and how to do a more intricate range calculation, then go watch our video. Okay, I have a video on this that covers all the calculations. Go to masterthenec.com, go to the top, click the YouTube channel, and you can go search for it there. I mean, all these things are free. I'm not making a dime off of what I'm trying to help you understand the code, okay? So, you can love me or hate me, but you know what? You have two choices. You can either listen and learn, or you don't have to listen at all, but you're not paying a dime for the knowledge, okay? I'm giving it to you. So, in this case... We have a 7KW counter-mounted cooking unit, which is a cooktop, and a 6KW wall-mounted oven. Both of these fall under column B. And since there's two appliances, we add them together, uh, and that's going to result in a 7 plus 6 is 13. And since there's two appliances, we come down this column to two appliances and then follow it all the way over to column B, and you'll see that our demand factor percentage is going to be 65%. So... We take the 13 kW times 65%. That results in 8.45 kW. We want to convert that to a VA. So we take the 8.45 times 1,000, uh, and that results in 8,450 VA or watts. Remember, they both work synonymously. So is, who cares at that point? All right? All right, next step we want to go to is dealing with the heat or the air conditioning. Now, at this point, you're simply just following down the numbers. And you're going to get to 20, uh, 220.56. That's for use in other applications where they're other than dwelling units. So we don't have to worry about it now. Uh, the next one we're dealing with is 220.60. And with that one, we're dealing with non-coincidental loads. What are we talking about? Well, this is where you have two or more non-coincidental loads, like heating and air conditioning, that are not going to be run simultaneously. Now, remember, you could have the um, the air handler is going to definitely, that, that blower is definitely going to be working regardless of whether it's heating or air conditioning. So you always have to account for that. 
But the values in our specific ones that we presented here that are for air conditioning, we're going to do that calculation, and then we're going to do a calculation for the heating, which is going to be those three 5KW heat strips uh, plus the air handler blower, and we're going to see, we're going to compare the two and see which is larger, okay? That's what we're going to do right now, all right? Okay, so let's kind of do that. So let's talk about the the, uh, the heating part. So I have an air handler. We've already kind of gone through this. We had to convert this to a VA. So that was the 3.2 amperes times 115 volts. That is 368 VA. We're going to add that to the 15 kW, which is the electric heat, all right? And so that resulted in 15,368. So you're going to write that down. Because now we got to look at the air conditioning, see which is larger. Well, if you've got a lot of experience, you already know which one's larger. But we're going to do the math. So in the values that we gave you up front, we told you there was an air conditioning compressor, there was a condensing fan motor, and of course we have that blower motor that's in the air handler, which is going to be considered for both of them here. So at the air conditioning unit compressor was 16.6 amps times 230 volts, because that's the values that I gave you. That is 3,818 VA. Now we have the condensing motor, condenser motor, at 2 amps times 115 volts is going to be 230 VA. It's not looking good for the air conditioning. And then we have that blower motor. We already did that at 3.2 times 115, and that was 368 VA. We add that to it. So that comes up to a whopping combined load of 4,416. Well, four, excuse, yeah, 4,416 is quite a bit less than 15,368 for the heat. So we get to take the AC and omit it. So we get rid of that. All right. So what do you write down? You write down for line 13, if you're going by the numbers here, you write 15,368. That's the value you're going to use when we start adding these things up. Okay. All right. The next thing you want to deal with, we're dealing with 220.50. Now 220.50 in our application is going to, because we're dealing with uh, the largest motor here, uh, and since, you know what, since the largest motor, typically the largest motor is going to be the air conditioning compressor, but if the air conditioning load has been omitted, so I've omitted all that use, then I want to go with what would be typically the second largest motor in our case. And in this case, it's going to be that in-sync waste disposal. That's going to be the second largest, because we kind of omitted all of the applications of the air conditioning. So why would we add that in? It's, it's, it's irrelevant. The heat's more than that anyway. So we go to the second largest in this case. And in this case, it's that half horsepower in-sync disposal, which was a 1127 VA. Okay, so what does it say here? It says motor load shall be calculated in accordance with 430.24. So real quick, I want to go and show you what that means. So let's go to 430. Dot 24. I'm going to do it now along with you. If you're following along, if not, you're just listening. It's all good. And what does it say? It says uh, several motors or a motor or other loads. All right, so we're dealing motor and other loads. It says 125% of the forward load current rating of the highest motor uh, uh, as determined by 430.68. Well, in our case, we, we did all the equation. But the only thing that we're lacking is that additional 25%. That's what we didn't equate. So what we're going to do is we're going to add that additional 25% onto it. And that's what we're talking about here. So we took the 1,127 times 25%. That results in a 282 additional VA that we want to add. So that was going to be your next line. That would be 282. Okay. So at this point, you should have, let's see, you've got 7,048, which was the general lighting and receptacle loads. You should have 6,929, which is our fastened in place appliance loads. That's two. You should have our clothes dryer at 5,500. That's three. You should have our household cooking appliances at 8,450. We're good there. You should have the larger between the heat and air conditioning, which was 15,368. We got that. We got to emit the air conditioning because it was smaller. And we got that largest motor, which was in this case, realistically, the air compressor, 
The air, con- the air conditioning compressor was the largest motor, but since we emitted air conditioning altogether, we're going to go with the next largest in the appliances that we talked about, and that was the in-waste disposal. So we did that, and that's how we got that additional 25%, and that was 282 VA. So we add all these together, and with the result of that is going to be 43,577 VA. Now, the easy part. Since we're dealing with a 122 40-volt application, we're going to take the total calculated um, uh, value or the demand value that we have uh, for the, uh, the the minimum amperes. How we do this? We take the 43,577. We're going to find the minimum amps by dividing that by the total source voltage. And that was 240 volts. So 43,577. Uh, Divided by 240 is 182. So now you're saying, okay, well, what is the minimum size service or feeder that we have to deal with? We know what the calculated load is now. We've done everything. We've come up with the minimum service or feeder uh, that we need as far as the ampacity. Now we would look and say, well, what overcurrent device do we terminate this on to? Well, 240.6A says, you know what? If you don't have one that corresponds, you're able to go up to the next one as long as you don't exceed 800 amps and all these goodies. Uh, that's expressed in 240.4. So at the end of the day, we are going to go up to a 200 amp. Now, another thing I'll remind you is the rounding. If we, ha- if you're doing this calculation and you're doing some rounding, you'll notice that if you do 43,577 divided by 240, the result is 181.57. Since that 0.5 is, as you look at 220.5B, when you got 0.5 and higher, you're going to round up. When you've got 0.5, when you're less than 0.5, you're going to round down. So that's how we got the 182 because it was 181.57. We rounded up to 182. Okay? You can't have 0.57 of an amp. You know what I'm saying? So you have to go up. All right? So can I put 182 amps onto a 200 amp overcurrent device? Absolutely. All right, so that's where we're at there. Now, let's size the minimum size conductor. What are we going? What conductor do we need for this application now? All right, now, if I didn't do anything, then I could specifically go to three ten fifteen B sixteen, and I could size a conductor based on whatever the load is. Okay, and I could go there. But we have this unique thing in the code. And this unique thing in the code is 31015B7. Now, many cycles ago, uh, well, I shouldn't say many, probably two cycles ago, uh, we had this little table in there. And this little table kind of was easy to look at and say, well, you know what? If we're dealing with an application where the services or feeders are between 100 to 400 amperes, okay, that's the window, and we were dealing with that, uh, and our service rating fall within that range, and the panel or the remote distribution panel that's being fed, let's say, by a main service disconnect, as long as it handled 100% of the load, then I could utilize this table. This table really equates to the same way we're doing it today in the 2017 code, but now we're using a, a value of 83% in order to determine the minimum size conductor that has to be maintained. This is the minimum size that you at least have to be. Could I be larger? Absolutely. But this is the minimum size that you have to have. So let's kind of walk you through it. So it's really going to be the same thing when we're dealing with feeders, um, but we're going to talk services. So we're dealing with 31015B71, and it says for a service rated 100 through 400 amps, the service conductors that are actually supplying 100% of the entire load that's actually associated with this dwelling unit, then we're allowed to use this allowance in 31015B7-1 if we want to do that, okay? Now, when can I not do this? What if, okay, let me give you an example. What if I had a service, it had a meter, and I went straight from the meter into the service equipment on the other side of the wall? And that's that service equipment handled Every circuit breaker, every load that's in this dwelling, then yes, this would apply. Now, what if I had a meter outside and I had a service disconnection means right there next to the meter because my panel inside my dwelling 
I don't want it to be just on the other side of the wall. I don't want to have to meet the requirements of 230.70A1. I want to have it further into the building. So now I have the disconnect outside. And now I have, let's say, an SER. It's now a feeder. And I want to carry that feeder further into the building because I want to put a remote distribution panel there. Many people refer to that as a sub-panel. So I want to have that further into the building. That's okay. Well, now, what if that disconnect outside was actually a panel? And since I had some air conditioning units right there, I said, you know what? It's no sense to me running from that interior panel. I just want to, I'm going to pick them up while I'm right here. Well, if I did that, then the feeder that's going from that outside panel to that panel inside, I could not use the allowances of 31015B7. Why? Because that panel inside the dwelling is not handling 100% of the load. It's handling all of the load except for those air conditioning loads that were outside. It's all based on diversity and the utilizing all of the loads in that one that are going to be utilized by that one feeder or that one service. Okay, so that's an example where it wouldn't work. All right, so in our case, the meter's outside and it goes straight into the back of a panel, so we're good to go. We can utilize this allowance here, and it doesn't exceed 400 amps, so we're good to use this. All right, so how do we do that? Well, we already established what our rating was of our service or feeder rating, in this case, service, and that was 200 amperes. Remember, we picked that from 240.6a. Now, we take the 200 amps times the 83%. That results in 166 amperes. All right? Now, we can do that math to double check it. I'll just do 200 times 83%. And that, is, again, is 166. Now, what we're doing is, since we're over 100, and we don't want to rehash all the rules that are in 110.14c, I'm going to remind you to go watch our derating.mist. Uh, Derating Demystified video uh, where I explain all the stuff about terminal limitations and whatnot. For simplicity, since we're if we're not if we're under 100 amps, we're at the 60 degree column. If we're over 100, we're at the 75 degree column. Since we're not talking about any adjustment and corrections here based to ambient temperatures or the number of current current conductors that are in excess of three, then I don't have to worry about going to the 90 degree column and apply adjustment and corrections. Uh, ultimately making sure that we don't exceed the value in the 75 degree column. If any of that is confusing to you, you need to go watch my video on derating demystified. We're going to assume you understand it. We're going to keep it very simple here. You're going to go to the 75 degree column because it is over 100 amperes. Okay, so we're going to be in the 75 degree column. Now, also, if you're on an exam, you're going to always assume copper unless expressed otherwise. So in this case, what would the size would be for copper? So since we know that we got 166 amps by utilizing 31015B7, now we're going to go to 31015B16, which is the ampacity values, and we're going to see what conductor under the 75-degree column, based on our limitations in 110.14C, which again, go watch that video, and see what we need. So I'm going to do that with you, uh, or I'm going to do it, and you can just listen along. How about that? All right, so I'm going to go to 31015B16, and I'm going to look under the 75-degree column, and I'm going to find me, and we'll just assume here that we're using THHN, THWN-2, whatever. Uh, and so we're good to go. Uh, and so I'm going down this column, and uh, I'm looking for a conductor that's good for 166 amps. Well, it looks to me like I need a 2-aught because the 1-aught's not going to work. That's 150. So we got to go to the 175-amp uh, conductor, which is a 2-aught, and that will easily handle the 166. So that's a minimum size conductor at this point. Now, what if we're dealing with aluminum? Same scenario, I just jump to the right and go over to the aluminum column. Again, stay in the 75-degree column because of our terminal limitations. I do not know of any terminals on a typical one- and two-family panel that would be rated for 90. They're going to be at least 75 uh, or 60, probably both. But since you're over 100, you're going to utilize a 75. Okay, Don't make this more complicated. Trust me. Go watch my video. All right, so in the 75-degree column, what do I need to handle 166 amps? Well, it looks like it would be a 4-aught, which is good for a 180. So that 180 is going to be adequate. So the minimum size conductor I need is either a 2-aught copper or a 1-aught aluminum. That's where we're at. Okay? Now, incidentally, what's step next 
is what ends up being probably the most complicated for people, but it really shouldn't be. It is now we're going to size the neutral conductor. Now, you know what? You could cheat. And what I mean by cheating is if you buy an SER, an SEU, then probably the grounded conductor or the neutral conductor in our case here um, is already going to be adequately sized because it's going to be sized based on UL854 and, and it's probably going to be okay. Um, but it's really important if you're doing a nipple between the two or whatever, and you need to know how to size that neutral conductor. So I'm going to show you how to do it. It's not complicated. All right. Now, a couple things we want to keep into mind. Remember that we had that water heater. There's no neutral. Remember that. All of those fast, all of the fastened in place appliances that we talked about, we're going to look at here in a second. They do have a grounded connector connect to them. So they've got to be included in here. That was the significance of me telling you the different voltages. All right. Um, the electric heat in the air conditioning compressor, again, those were 240 volt loads. They had no neutral. Don't have to worry about those. Okay. Um, uh, in the largest motor that we dealt with, that did indeed have a neutral because it was 115 volts in that application. So most certainly going to have a neutral. Okay. It might be 115 volts of the motor rating, but it's still on a, for all intents and purposes, when we're talking about branch circuits, it's still 120 uh, volt branch circuit. Okay. We just use the 115 for our calculation. All right. But anyway, you get the point. So that's considered in there. Okay. Um, when we're doing this calculation, it's important to remember that neutrals and grounded conductors are being used synonymously here. Um, you don't always have a neutral, but you do always have the term a grounded conductor when one of the phases is intentionally connected to ground. That creates that grounded conductor. But depending on the configuration of the transformer or how it's done, you may not always have a neutral. Okay, there's another video I did on that. Go watch that video. In our case here, we are talking neutral. All right, and that's important because when you got a neutral, that's going to allow us to apply some of these demand factors. For example, for the the uh, cooking uh, cooking um, units, uh, cooking appliances, and all that kind of stuff. So keep you know, kind of keep that in mind. All right, remember. We needed to convert all these things over to VA, and we've already kind of done that. So this is, we've already got all the values written down on paper. Uh, some of them we are going to take now at 70%, but you already have all these values written down, okay? So no need to stress it, all right? Um, the dryer is going to be used at a 70% based on 220.61B, uh, and the, the cooking appliances are also going to be utilizing those allowances in 220.61B, Okay? Um, now you also have to remember that, um, because both of these motors, uh, in the application where we're dealing with the air handler and the condensing fan motors, um, both of those are going to be equated to neutral load. So they got to be considered in it. Okay. Cause both of them could be used. All right. So they have to be considered in the value, in the valuation. All right. So let's kind of. Let's kind of go through this, if you will. All right, first things first. The general lighting in receptacles line 9, what we talked about earlier, which was at 7,048. That was after we applied the demand factors under 220.42, and we had that 4,048, and then we added back that 3,000. That's how we got that 7,048. So that should be your line 9. So all of those loads are connected to a neutral. So they, they obviously are going to put current on the neutral. So... Got to count for those, right? All right, next, um, we have to remember that also um, in these, these values that we're going to be uh, moving into the, the different appliances and whatnot. So those also get figured into the equation. So keep those in mind, all right? All right, so let's let's call it. So we the first thing you're going to write down. So this is a separate piece of paper, okay? Uh, because I don't want to get you confused. We're doing the neutral now. Now here's what's important. You really need to learn to do the neutral because whether or not you're using an optional method or the standard method, this is how you do it, okay? You always have to use the standard method to size that neutral, all right? So we already have our general lighting receptacle values that are connected to the grounded conductor. So that's uh, or the neutral in our case. So that's seven thousand and forty-eight. Write that down. Now what about that water heater? Nope, no need. 
What about that dishwasher? Yes, take the VA value that you wrote down earlier, which is 1,200 VA, write that down, put that down. The next was the in-sync waste disposer. Yes, it was 120 volt load uh, source, so you write that down, 1,127. The trash compactor most certainly is connected to a 120 volt circuit, so there is connected to the neutral conductor, so that's 900 VA, you write that down. The next is those three attic fans. Remember we said that's why it's important to know the voltage when we had to make that equation to convert it to VA? Well, it's because those are going to be considered as neutral load connections as well. So that is 1,512. So you should have all these values. Now you add these four up. Okay, so that's 1,200, 1,127, 900, and 1,512. Again, because the total is four or more, then I get to apply this 75%. So I take that 4,739 times 75%, and that is 3,554. Write that number down. That's your neutral value for these fixed appliances. Write it down. So at this point, you should have 7,048 and 3,554. What's next? What about the clothes dryer? Well, we take that clothes dryer, which was 5,500, and we do that times 70%, and that is 3,850. Now, where do we get the 70%? Remember what I said in 220.61? That's what allows you in B to allow me in this application to utilize 70%. Okay, So that's how I did it. So I add that number here to our list. So I add 3,850. The next thing we want to knock out is the cooking appliances. Okay, So what do we do here? Well, we get to apply those at 70% as well. So that was 8,450. Remember you had that earlier? You're going to take that value and do that at 70%. It's pretty simple. You already did the values. So what does that equal? 5,915. You write that down. Now, what about that electric heat? Don't worry about it because it's 240 volt. What about that uh, air conditioner compressor? You don't worry about that. That's 240 volts. In our case, well, it was 230, but still. 230, the motor rating. The 240 is the actual circuit. Uh, now, what about that air handler? Remember, that is going to take place. That is connected to 120 volts. That's going to work both AC or heat. doesn't matter. So you have to account for that. So remember the value we did earlier, the VA? That was 368 VA. You remember how we got that? Uh, hopefully you do. If you don't, you need to go back and listen because we're pretty into this by now. All right, so I write that down on my list, 368 VA. Remember, it's taking the amps times the voltage. That's how you get the VA. The next was that condenser fan motor, okay? And that is going to be added into the equation because both of these motors are going to be energized simultaneously. So you have to add their contribute neutral load. So this condensing fan motor, I believe, was two amps. So two times, uh, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Again, bear with me. Condenser fan motor, it was two amps times 115 volts. So that was 282 amps. I mean, VA, excuse me. So you add that in. So what you should have by now is 7,048, 3,554, 3,850, 5,915, 368, 230, and 282. Okay? Now, what is that 282 from? Remember, that's that largest motor. We had to also add in that 25% additional because it is connected to the grounded neutral conductor, okay? So you should have all these values here, okay? Um, so that results in 21,249 if you added them all together. So you do the same thing you did before for the ungrounded conductors. We take this 21,247, and we're going to divide that by 240 volts, and that's going to result in 89 amperes, okay? So let's go on and do that. I'll do it myself just so we know. So it's 21,247 divided by 240. Oops, hold on. I didn't clear everything. Uh, it's another thing. Depending on what calculator you're using, I'm using the one on the computer to do this. Uh, double, double, double check your math always. Okay, so my the uh, 21,247 divided by 240 was 88,000, uh, excuse me, 88.529. Since that's a 0.5, we're rounding it up to 80. To, to 89, okay? So, since we're dealing with that, the first thing that we need to understand is we have to be able to size this neutral conductor based on the load in the calculation, and that's depicted in 
and 220.61. It gives us kind of that guidance that says, you know what, guys, you have to size this neutral to be able to handle this, this specific calculated type of load. Okay, well, we've done that. There's also something in 250.24C1 that says, you know what? That grounded conductor cannot be smaller than what's given in table 250.102C1. Okay, so we got two things to look at here. It can't be smaller than what's given in that table, but we have to size it to be able to handle the 89 amperes. So the first thing that I typically will do is I want to go and look at the allowance under uh, 31015B16 and see what conductor would I need for 89 amps. All right, so I'm at that table, and if I'm dealing with copper and I have 89 amps, then I'm going to want a 3-gauge copper. Uh, if I'm dealing with aluminum and I need 89 amps, then I've got a 2-gauge aluminum. Remember, we're staying under the 75 degrees C, okay, and his applications. All right, now, you might say, well, don't I need to fall back under the 60? Well, in our case, we said the actual conductors were rated THHN, THWN-2, whatever, and the terminals and everything is rated uh, for that. So we're doing them at 75, and that would be uh, the value that we would use uh, for that, okay? And we're using 75 degrees C for this application. All right, so it could be a three copper or two aluminum. Now, remember what I said? 250.24C1 says, you know what? You better make sure that granite conductor is not smaller than what's required in table 250.102C1. So we have to go check us ourselves and look at what it says. All right, so at that point, let's go on and do it. We'll go to 250.102C1, and you'll see the heading of that table says grounded conductor. So let's look at it. All right, so this is all based on the size of the ungrounded conductor. So in our case, we had already sized that ungrounded conductor, and it was a 2-watt uh, aluminum or, I mean, excuse me, 4-watt aluminum or 2-watt copper. So I'm looking at a 2-watt copper, and it looks to me like it can't be smaller than a 4. All right, well, good news for us, it's already a 3, so it's bigger than this, so we knew it couldn't be smaller than a 4, but it isn't. It's bigger, okay? And then we look at the 4-aught aluminum, and we see that it would have to be at least a 2. Well, in our case, we already chose a 2. So we're okay here. It can't be smaller than that 2. So we're good to go here. So our neutral conductor is going to be a 3-gauge copper or a 2-gauge aluminum, and it correlates with 250.102C1. It is not smaller than this. And we did it all based on our calculation as well, so we feel good about it, all right? Now, last things last, we need to finish this, this thing off with the grounding electrode conductor. Now, I'm not going to go into the different type of electrodes in this episode because I got another one on that that you need to listen to. You really do need to listen. But if it's ground rods, then we would go to 250.66A, and it doesn't have to be larger than a 6 copper or 4 aluminum. Remember, if it's aluminum and you terminate, it's got to be terminated uh, at least 18 inches away from the earth, okay? But, you know, I'm just saying, it could be a 6 copper or 4 aluminum. If it was a concrete case electrodes, it doesn't have to be larger than a 4. If it was a water pipe ground or if it was an in-ground uh, uh, structural uh, electrode, then you're going to go to the table 250.66, but you do have some allowances in 250.66 for ground rods, pipes, and plates, and ground rings, and concrete case electrodes. Concrete case electrode doesn't have to be larger than a 4, for example. Could it be larger? Absolutely. Does it necessarily have to be? Absolutely not. Um, so kind of remember all of those, those, those applications. Now, I will remind you, if you were doing this calculation and doing a feeder then you're going to size the equipment grounding conductor to that remote distribution panel based on 250.122. So kind of kind of keep that in mind so you don't get kind of lost what we're saying. But if we're sizing the grounding electroconductor for services, then we're going to firmly be rooted in 250.66, okay? And it's easy if it's ground rods, pipe, or plate. It's easy if it's concrete cable electrode. It's easy if it's a ground ring. If it's any of those other electrodes that are allowed in 250.50, then you need to go to table 250.66, okay? And that's how you're going to size your grinding electroconductor, okay? And there's a multitude of electrodes you can use uh, in this application, all right? Anyway, 
Hopefully you got it. It was a simple concept. How to size the neutral conductor. How to size the standard method. This was obviously a very simple one. But we also have a podcast on how to do multifamily dwelling calculations for services. So go watch and uh, I guess listen to that podcast. Um, We're going to have a lot more. We're going to have more videos. uh, But people love my podcast for some reason. Because they can play it, pause it, play it later, whatever. They seem to like the podcast. So, And they're easier for me to do. Okay, so I like doing the podcast as much as I can. Um, Hopefully you got something out of that. Um, Until next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. And um, again, if you need to email me, you got any question, then email me at info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com or info at electricalcodeacademy.com. You don't have to pay me a consulting fee. I'll help out anybody. I've been helping thousands of people for years. Um, And that's my goal. I want to make the code easier for you to understand. I want more licensed electricians. I want more master electricians. Um, It is my goal to make the code easier to understand. Okay? It's a complicated document. All right? So, till next time, folks, stay safe and God bless. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright.